Good. Good morning, Dr. Shonda Garner Books. <laughs> Who I am today? I'm Dr. Shonda. The Family Strong Foundation. Family Strong Foundation is the organization that hosts these calls. We have been Family Strong has been in existence since 2012, working to empower families in order to improve our community. The issues that we are having in St. Landry Parish in particular, a lot of it stems from a breakdown of the family unit. And so we're working with our community to rebuild the family unit. And once we rebuild those family units, that will correct a lot of the problems that we have in St. Landry Parish. Let's go over some call etiquette right now. You are all on mute. These calls are sponsored by St. Landry, Evangeline, United Way, and United Healthcare Community Plan. We thank them for their support. These calls will be here for the duration of the pandemic, and the governor moved us into phase three. Um, and I would just like to briefly, because there are still questions as to what does that mean for us, what does phase three mean for us, and, and not all of us have access to social media, we will remain in phase three until October 9th. First, let me tell you how we got into phase three. We were able to get into phase three because of the people that were tested, only 5% of the test came back positive. When we move into the different phases, it is based on science, not on a whim. And in order to move to phase three, we had to have 5% of the test come back positive. Or should I say 95% had to be negative, and that's how we're able to move to phases. I also want you to understand that the governor made this decision based on science, but also based on economics. Our country runs on a $1 billion a day economy, and when everybody is at home and businesses are reducing their capacity, the economy is not thriving. So don't mistake an economic decision to mean that everything is back to normal, because it is not. Under phase three restrictions, businesses such as restaurants, churches, salons, gyms, and others will be able to open up to 75% of their capacity with social distancing measures in place. Bars will be able to open up at 25% capacity indoors in the parishes that show a percent positivity rate of 5% or less for two consecutive weeks with additional restrictions. So bars will be open. They have been closed unless they serve food. I want you to know bars are a major contributor to the spread of the virus. Bars must also get permission from parish authorities to allow them to open after that 5% positivity threshold has been met. So the good thing is, is that there's still some restrictions in place to kind of help keep us safe. 
There is the Louisiana Department of Health. They have a COVID-19 dashboard where you can look at the infection rates. And I looked at the dashboard last night. I actually downloaded the data for St. Landry Parish to make a decision about whether uh, my own child and grandchildren should return to school. And after our guest speakers talk, because today we are talking about court-appointed special advocates for children. So today we're going to be talking about children. So first we're going to hear from our guest speakers, and then I'll come back and we'll talk more about A3 and the return to faith to faith school in St. Landry Parish. But first, I'd like to introduce our guest speakers. Today, we have Ms. Emma J. Guillory. She received her undergraduate degree in marketing in, in marketing in business administration from the prestigious Gramlin State University and an elementary certification from the then University of Louisiana. Later, she went on to receive her Master's of Education for Administration and Supervision at the infamous Southern University and A&M College in Baton Rouge. Ms. Emma is married with three daughters and three grandchildren. She worked as a classroom teacher and later as an elementary assistant principal with the St. Landry Parish School Board. After 27 years in the system, she retired, retired in May 2014. After retiring, she became an advocate volunteer with CASA of St. Landry Evangeline, Inc. for over one year, and when the job opened for an advocate supervisor position for the Evangeline area, she applied. She has been the advocate supervisor for four years at CASA St. Landry Evangeline. Emma enjoys assisting volunteer advocates and the children they serve. She says she is truly blessed for allowing God to mold her into the person she is today. Children are our gift from God, and every minute invested in a child's life is time well spent. Amen. One of the best investments that she's made in her lifetime has been helping make a child's life better in some way. She is joined by her counterpart, Ms. Shelby Santiago. Ms. Shelby is a 2016 graduate of Xavier University of Louisiana in New Orleans. Ms. Santiago is the recruiting and training coordinator for CASA St. Landry Evangelist. She has been a, a part of the CASA community since 2017. She is one of the 25 participants in the National CASA Association inaugural cohort to complete the executive program for child law and policy at Loyola University Chicago School of Law, which gave her an opportunity to continue her education. Through this opportunity to continue her education, Ms. Shelby hopes to con contribute back to her lo local CASA program by being able to provide legal services to the CASA program as an attorney. She believes that our CASA program deserves all the resources it can get to service, 
service or foster youth. It is the least that she can do to use the skills that she's gained to CASA, to execute CASA of St. Landry Evangeline's mission statement of being a voice for abused and neglected children. I welcome to the line Ms. Shelby and Ms. Emma. The time is yours. Ladies, you are on mute. You will have to dial star six to unmute yourself. You might also have hit mute on your phone. Good morning, all. I am Emma Guillory with Casa St. Lady Evangeline, Inc. I uh, represent the uh, Evangeline area for Casa. I'm glad to be here this morning. Thank you, ma'am. And Ms. Shelby, if you're speaking, I just saw you. You're still on mute, Shelby. Um, go. Hi. <laughs> hi, I'm Shelby Santiago. I am the Recruitment and Training Coordinator with Costa St. Major Evangeline, Inc., and I am happy to be on the line today. Okay, so first, I'm going to give... Uh, everyone, a little history, uh, not a little, it's a lot of history. Uh, over 40 years uh, with CASA. Um, so this idea was inspired by a Seattle juvenile court judge named David Sokup in 1976. So, so Judge Sokup had insufficient information to make a life-changing decision for a three-year-old girl who had suffered from child abuse. So that's where the idea from these children who had experienced abuse and neglect needed trained volunteers speaking up in the courtroom for their best interest. So in 1977, um, Judge Sokoff started the first CASA program in Seattle, which is in King County, Washington. Um, then, in 1977, a National Council of Juvenile and Family Court Judges Committee endorses the program as a model for safeguarding a child's rights to a safe and permanent family. Then in 1978, Judge John Mendoza of Nevada suggests the term court-appointed special advocate to designate the lay court-appointed volunteers. In 1984, National CASA enters into its first cooperative agreement with the United States Office of Juvenile Justice and Delinquency Prevention, which remains our largest funder to date. In 1985, President Ronald Reagan presented National CASA with the President's Volunteer Action Award. In 1985 also, there were 10,000 children served annually through 100 59 CASA programs. In 1990, 72,000 children served 
by 17,000 volunteers in 412 program offices. And then in 2007, CASA Network reached 2 million children served since inception. So CASA has been around uh, for over 40 years with the number of children in the system on the rise, and we need volunteers more than ever. Casa of St. Landry Evangelion Inc. has been in existence for over 10 years, and Casa of the Evangelion area over five years. Our executive director is Madeline Rosette. Our lead advocate supervisor is Jeremy Richard. Advocate supervisor, Christopher Poulard, uh, and Jeremy Richard are the St. Landry area advocate supervisor, and I myself is the Evangeline advocate supervisor. And of course, you've met Shelby. But also we have Clarence Lazard, who is St. Landry Outreach Coordinator, and Alicia RV as the Evangeline Outreach Coordinator. So for the month of August, I'm going to just give you our statistics. Uh, 72 children were served, with five children either returned to their parents or was adopted, and 21 advocates assigned to the children uh, at the end of the month in the St. Landry um, Casa. In Evangeline Casa, we have 16 children that are being served currently and eight advocates assigned to the children at the end of the month of August. So with the statistics in foster care uh, that we received at the end of the month, there are 72 children in foster care in St. Landry and 49 in the Evangeline Parish area who are in foster care. So let me just say this in closing. Um, there's a total of 3,562 children in the state of Louisiana in foster care. And this does not include um, the children who are receiving family services uh, who have not been removed from their uh, parents. They, uh, this is not including uh, this total. So um, I give it over to Shelby. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Emma. Um, so I am going to just um, brief you guys on um, what CASA stands for. Uh, why CASAs are necessary, who can be a CASA, and um, you know, what does that actual commitment look like? Okay? So um, um, CASA is an acronym, C-A-S-A, -S -S -A, and it stands for Court Appointed Special Advocates. CASA advocates are um, trained volunteers that are appointed by a judge, uh, like Ms. Emma described, um, and they're appointed to serve children that are abused and neglected, um, and w the way that they're serving children is by speaking for the best interests of these children in court. Um, 
Casa of St. Landry Evangelion, Inc. is a nonprofit organization, um, and we do receive private and public funding sources. Um, each year, we uh, – so Ms. Emma, she broke down the numbers to you of how uh, many children we have in foster care right now. And um, the reason why CASAs are necessary is because so many times the children in these cases, they, um, their needs are unaddressed in court. And um, their needs are unaddressed in court, and um, oftentimes there's not enough information in the court reports that's presented to the judge as to um, what the needs of those, ch- those children are and how do we even get those needs met. The CASA volunteer is a, um, it's basically a citizen who cares about the well-being of our children. Before we got into this presentation, um, a couple of people were talking about the concerns with uh, children going back to school and um, our pandemic situation that is still um, a situation, regardless of what it looks like economically, it's still um, a health concern, which is a well-being concern, not just for everyone, but especially for our children. Um, uh, if, I, if I just kind of make it tangible um, for everyone to understand because a lot of what CASA does is behind the scenes. It's confidential. I can't tell you about a very particular case because I would be breaching confidentiality. But if I can make something relatable for you, um, it's a concern for a lot of people that our children are going back to school because they're going to be in a setting around a lot of people And we know that the only thing that we know about this COVID pandemic is that being around a lot of people and not knowing what their surroundings are like, that could be a potential contact with someone who has a positive, um, someone who is positive with COVID, and that could severely impede on someone else's health, if not the health of that child, the health of the, the people that they go home to. And the of that health risk is death. This is the same thing that we're talking about when we're talking about these children in um, homes that have been neglectful or abusive to them. And when the judge does not have sufficient information to decide whether or not it's safe for that child to return home or not, it is a life or death situation. And the CASA volunteer is the only person out of the all of the people involved in these court cases that is not paid, and they really are doing this out of the kindness of their hearts. They really are acting as a third-party um, a third party set of eyes to speak for the well-being of that child. Um, the role of ACASA is to give special representation to abused children so that they will not fall through these cracks of overworked and underfunded juvenile justice and child protection systems. Um, CASA volunteers work with all parties involved in the case to see that the child is placed in a safe and permanent home as quickly as possible. So 
um, above all things, the Casa is looking for safety. Um, they're looking for safety, and they want to keep they want the judge to keep in mind just how long these children have been in foster care. Um, some of these children have been in foster care for years because that's just how um, that's just how much insufficient uh, information has been presented to the judge. There's not enough information that the judge has, so the judge is not really um, they're not the judge is not really inclined to make a decision on where the child should go. Um, all of our judges locally, they are um, very um, conservative is the best word that I can give concerning keeping our families together, which is a good thing. But we also have to address how long the child has been in a temporary home setting and what type of effects that has on the child. How long has the child been in foster care and what type of effect being in foster care has on a child. Um, without knowing about the child's needs specifically, and when I say the child's needs, I'm talking about um, the educational needs of this child, the medical needs of this child, the social needs of this child. Um, when the judge doesn't know what that looks like, they can't really make a decision on what to do with this child. And that ends up looking like a child in foster care for a long amount of time, a long-term amount of time, um, which is uh, the worst-case scenario. It's the least permanent option. Um, CASA volunteers do not provide legal representation in the courtroom, nor do they replace a social worker. We are appointed by the judge to look into the case and give the judge a recommendation on what we think is the best option. Um, and CASA volunteers serve only one to two cases, providing more thoroughly researched information than other professionals could possibly provide given their caseloads. Um, so while a social worker might have, you know, anywhere from 15 to 30 caseloads, we could even say 10. 10 caseloads is a lot. The cost of volunteer is assigned to one caseload. And so that cost of volunteer has much more time to dive into uh, building a relationship with that child, with the caregiver, and getting to know the child and the child's needs. Um, they have much more time than the social, social worker may have to do those very same things. And so... Um, we can provide more in-depth information. And it's not to say that we replace the social worker. We do not. We work in conjunction with DCFS. We stress relationship building because we know that that's what's going to get, um, that's what's going to get the resources to the child or to the family that we're trying to serve here. And so anyone who's 21 or older can be a CASA volunteer. Um, you don't have to have a special uh, background, like um, you don't have to have a special background, like a high school diploma or a bachelor, a bachelor's degree or anything like that. You just have to be 21 years of age or older. You do have to have a clean criminal history, and you have to complete our pre-service training um, 
for all potential volunteers. Um, the training that we do is um, it's an eight-session training. And um, in that training, we talk about everything that we expect our CASA volunteers um, to be able to do, all of the concepts that you may um, run into, like trauma, poverty, mental health. We discuss all of those things. And um, the main point of the pre-service training is to train our volunteers to be able to be factual and unbiased um, in the courtroom. Um, I guess uh, I don't want to overwhelm. I don't want to overwhelm everyone with a whole bunch of information about CASA and um, what it takes to be a CASA. But if people have questions, um, I'll take those questions. Thank you very much, Ms. Shelby and Ms. Emily, Ms. Emma. If y'all have any questions, you will need to dial star six to unmute yourself. We'll give it a second because sometimes we're trying. Star six is in the lower left-hand side of your screen. So I will do a general unmuting. Hello. But first I want to see if, if there are any Yes. Hi. This is uh, We can hear you. Hello. Okay. Okay. Um, caseload. You, 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 you said caseload a couple times, and I'm just not clear on what that means. You said that a volunteer would have one caseload. Is that one child per week, one child per month, per year? How, what does that really mean? Okay. Um, when I say um, caseload, or um, let me say more specifically, so when you become a volunteer, when you get sworn in by the judge and become a CASA volunteer, you will be assigned to a case. So um, uh, when I use the word caseload, I think I, I was um, thinking more about social workers. They have a caseload as in several cases. CASA volunteers serve one case. Um, and so that one case can have one child on it, um, or it could have a set of siblings, um, you know, uh, siblings that might, may have been removed at the same time um, when uh, the investigation of abuse or neglect had happened. Um, but uh, we are accommodating to our volunteers. Um, if we... If we know that you know, serving one child for that volunteer is probably the best service that they, that volunteer can do, we're going to assign them to one child. Um, or we're going to assign them to a case with one child on it. And what you do is that volunteer remains on that case until that case closes. Okay, so and, uh, until it closes, so that means... Legally, they close the case and then you're you're done. Yes, ma'am. So oh, okay. um, you're Thank not you. uh, like jumping with different kids. You are like the CASA volunteer is assigned to a child or maybe a set of siblings. That's uh, it's one case, and those are the children. Okay. Um, so I didn't mention um, CASA volunteers. They check 
up on their children at least once a month. Um, oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, so you have a con- you are responsible for having one contact, a physical contact, with that child or those children once a month, and you're also responsible for attending all court proceedings. In Evangeline Parish, that's about twice a year, um, or every six months. Uh, unless uh, the judge will assign, like, a special hearing. Um, And in St. Landry Parish, it's uh, about three or four times out of the year. And let me just add uh, to that. Um, There may be one child in the case, and it could be as many as five to eight. And uh, we do give... um, the uh, advocate, uh, the option to, um, you know, to get a, a select um, the uh, the case uh, that we have available. Um, if it's a foster care case, and it, let's say it may involve three siblings, um, by chance all three may not be in the same same placement. So that means, um, for example, two may be in Crowley and in a foster home or a relative placement, and the other may be in Lafayette. Um, However, if it's a court-ordered family services case, then it will, all the kids will remain in the home with the parents or parents. So it it really depends on um, the type of case it is, if it's a foster care case or a court-order family service case. Thank you. Are there any other questions? Did that answer your question, ma'am? Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any other questions? Star six to unmute. And I hesitate to do a general unmute because I know a lot of our callers have returned back to work, and we appreciate you for joining us from your job. That means that you find the service that we offer valuable enough for you to take time out of your uh, busy work schedule to join us. On that note, I will, just because every once in a while, I will get a call after the meeting that says that they were trying to get their question answered. So I'll do a general unmuting. Are there any questions for Ms. Emma or Ms. Shelby? I don't have a question. Ms. Emma, this is Ms. Betty. How are you doing? Um, I wanted to add something to um, everything that Ms. Emma and the other young lady said pertaining to I, I worked for CASA for many years, and everything they've said, plus the other thing that <clears throat> I was going to add is that with your visiting your child once a month and what have you going to court, you also are asked to write um, like a report of the time you've visited and what you've seen, what you've experienced, so, and, and those reports are turned in on a monthly basis. 
Yes, they're turned into uh, what they are input in the, in our system called Optima, and um, each um, advocate does the report uh, after seeing their child uh, each month, and we uh, report this in a um, what we call a performance indicator report to our biggest um, contributor, which is Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. So that information is very vital, um, especially uh, we, uh, our advocates need to do a a face-to-face visit. And sometimes that may not be possible, but we do encourage them to do a face-to-face visit with that child each month. However, it could be more than one visit per month, but at least one. And, of course, as I said before, noted in um, our system called Optima. Thank you. Thank you very much. Are there any other questions or comments? And thank you, Ms. Betty, for your service as a CASA. Yes. Yes, ma'am. I do have another question. Uh, You said the minimum age is 21. Is there a maximum? No, ma'am. There is not a maximum age. Um, (laughs) We do. um, Our our office is completely virtual. Um, Concerning court reports and... um, contact logs. It is virtual on our Optima system, um, but we have um, we have been able to adapt uh, since COVID <laughs> to everything being 100% virtual. Um, and so it's, it's something that we can work with, but we do, um, we do ask that there is, um, we do ask that the volunteer know some type of information about using a computer because that is how we enter in all of our information. Um, Uh, Can I say something else about the uh, face-to-face visit? Um, We have been a bit creative, um, you know, since COVID-19 hit. So we encourage our volunteers to make contact with the foster, uh, foster care parent or uh, parent, whichever the case may be, and um, arrange for what we call a drive-by. What this means is we uh, have the uh, advocate call the parent or foster care parent and tell them to uh, come outside and they can converse by phone with the, uh, with the children. Um, so that way um, there's a face-to-face. You can observe the children and, you know, make sure everything is fine. Um, so we've been creative in that, in that area as far as, um, you know, COVID-19. Uh, of course, we do would like to go inside, um, but again, it, it depends on uh, the situation uh, with uh, the foster 
foster parent or um, a parent. So that's that's uh, an additional, um, you know, we can help uh, from you know foster the face to face contact. Yeah. Um, I want to go ahead and give some contact information to you all. If you have um, like additional questions or more in-depth questions that you would like to ask um, to myself, Ms. Emma, one of our staff members, um, or if you're interested in um, being a volunteer, you can um, contact us and um, we will get you started in that process. So, um, say that one more time. No, I'm sorry, that wasn't a question. That was just some feedback from a, a line that wasn't used. Okay. So, um, if everyone has their pen and papers ready, or however you're jotting this information down, our um, our Evangelion Parish office phone number is three three seven. Five zero six two two seven two. If you're in the Evangelion Parish area and you would like to become a pastor volunteer um, uh, in our St. Landry um, Parish, phone number is three three seven nine four eight three five five zero. Um, I'll spell out my email uh, for you. Uh, just in case you would like to email, um, it's going to be Santiago, S A N T I A G O. at org, And so that's going to be spelled C-A-S-A-S-T-L-A-N-D-R-Y. .org, O-R-G. Thank you very much. I did ca- capture that information, and I am adding it on our Facebook page. So if you didn't get it, I do have that information for you. CASA contact information. Are there any other questions for Ms. Shelby or Ms. Emma? Well, I want to thank you ladies so much for taking out of your time to join us. But more important than joining us on our call, I want to thank you what you do for the children uh, that you service. I was I told this to somebody yesterday or the day before when I when I told them that we're having you on the call. I was very shocked to find out the number of children that need constant support. Very surprised by the number of children that are um, in jeopardy in their homes or have been removed from their homes. So CASA volunteers are so important 
especially since children often change homes, change social workers or whatever. The CASA volunteer really gets to be their island of stability in a sea of turmoil. So we thank you so much. And to Miss Betty and to anyone who was a CASA volunteer or is a CASA volunteer, I pray that God blesses you with your heart's desire. I tried to be, I tried to do, uh, become a CASA volunteer. And I went just not even to the actual training. I just went to the, um, like, overview introduction. And by the end of Shelby's presentation, I was already crying like a baby. There's just no way that I could do that. That takes a special type of person to be able to do that, provide the care and attention that the child needs, and also deal with parents who sometimes have rightfully uh, lost their children, and you still have to treat them like humans. And that just was a part that I couldn't reconcile in myself. But thank you to all the folks who've been CASA volunteers, who are CASA volunteers. And if you're, if you're needing something to do with your day and you're looking to give back to your community, CASA would be a real blessing, not only to you, but to the life of the folks that you get to come into contact with. So I want to thank you, ladies, very much. I'm going to go ahead on. Uh, I understand that they're at work, so if they if they need to leave, uh, Miss Emma and Miss Shelby, y'all are free to leave, or you're free to to stay on the call. We try to end about eleven, but um, every once in a while it does kind of run a little longer. So we'll understand it if you leave. And if someone has any questions, I have your contact information, and if they weren't able to copy it, they can contact us or they can visit Family Strong Foundation on Facebook, and I'll have the contact information there. Thank you. Excuse me. Thank you, ladies, so much for joining us and telling us about CASA. It was very interesting to hear how CASA got its start. I always wondered how it got its start. So thank you so much for that time. Thank you, uh, Dr. Brooks. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you. I'm going to put us all back on mute.